Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about the new Marvel Disney Plus TV show, Loki, episode one. This is Slash Film editorial director, Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is weekend editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Okay, uh, let's start off with our brief reactions of this, this episode. I really dug this. I think this might be my favorite of the you know pilot episodes of the Disney Plus TV shows so far, with WandaVision being num- number two. I just really dig the look and feel of this world, the whole TVA retro futuristic vibe to it. And I also dig that they're having kind of like these metaphysical conversations about you know determinism you know what what you know what what choices do we have what does that mean for anything um you know loki going through kind of a a crisis of sorts uh, kind of reevaluating things um yeah i don't know I, I, and this just by the end of this episode i have many questions about what the series is going to be and we'll get there but what are your first thoughts uh, yeah, I'm really digging this so far. It's um, 
it's just like exactly the kind of sci-fi that I like. Um, it has this, so I'm, I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but it feels like it has a Doctor Who vibe, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, Jacob saw the the pilot episode and he said the same thing. Yeah, and so I, one of the cool things about it is like it it makes something that is normally made to seem very fantastical seem like just bureaucratic bullshit. So like the Time Variance Authority is basically just like this, you know, a, a corporate entity that's just trying to keep the sacred timeline intact and just their, the, the approach to sci-fi here is it, it has a very like red tape kind of feel to it, you know, where it's just business as usual. They're, you know, trying to figure things out. You know, it has a little bit of a, a crime procedural vibe. Um, you know, Tom Hiddleston as Loki gives the, also brings in this like Shakespearean flair to it um, just because of, you know, his portrayal and sort of like the, uh, what, what we learned, you know, to be the, the kind of the tragedy of Loki as a character um, it's this very interesting amalgamation of a variety of things, and I'm really liking the the setup for it so far. Yeah, I always love when sci-fi shows have kind of that workplace, like um, Lost had that with the Dharma Initiative. Yeah. Like it was so kind of like retro tech and, I don't know, what is going on here? And this show kind of does that too. Uh, before we get into our breakdown, I did want to talk about who's involved here. So... This episode, and actually every episode of the season, is directed by Kate Heron, and she directed the Netflix original Sex Education, which, did you see that? No, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, I, I have not watched that as well. Uh, she did some other TV stuff and some short films, but she's like one of those people that has been on like one of those directors to watch lists, like all over the internet and, you know, variety and all those kind of things. Um, and I'm very impressed by by this, what I'm seeing here. Uh, and this was written and created by Michael Waldron, who was a staff writer on Community. He worked on Rick and Morty. So he's one of those like Dan, Dan Harmon guys. And most importantly, he is writing the upcoming Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I, maybe we can circle back to this question later. But Brad, is do you think do you think there's a reason why he might be writing this and also that uh yeah i think there's probably a very good reason as to why he's uh, <laughs> writing that and this yeah uh and also uh let's talk about the cinematography because i thought this just looks i don't know beautiful is not the word because it's, it's all like grimy and yellow and i just i just love the aesthetic and it's by the cinematographer named autumn Durald, and she does music videos she directed Gia Coppola's first film, Paulo Alto, and also Teen Spirit, starring Elle Fanning, which I didn't see. But um, yeah, I, I definitely dig to the style. It's interesting because we did a story not too long ago, but, um, I want to say it was just last week, uh, where Michael Waldron was talking about um, Catch Me If You Can and Mad Men being uh, influences as far as the style of the show. And I feel like you can get a sense oh, of that yeah. in, the, in the visuals as well as, you know, some of the uh, the tones of like certain conversations and just the, the overall vibe. Yeah, without a doubt. OK, let's jump into our breakdown. And by the way, if you do, after listening to this episode, want to send us some feedback, if you have theories, if you have comments, send it to Peter at Slashfilm.com. And we might read it on the next episode because we're planning on doing these every week. Uh, I know. Big commitment. We're committing to, what, five more episodes, Brad, I think? 
Is mm-hmm. this one of the six episodes? Yeah, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, six, six episodes. episodes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, write us if you if you have anything important to tell us, and maybe we'll read it in an upcoming episode. But let's get to the breakdown. So we start with the Battle of New York in 2012, recapping the events of Avengers Endgame, where Loki, who is prisoner of the Avengers, gets the Tesseract and is able to jump away where he was supposed to be in the timeline to someplace else. Um, while watching this, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch Endgame or the original Avengers, but were there any alternate shots here, or is this just they're using the same footage? There, it looked like that there were um, a few additional like insert shots that where they cut to Loki for uh, a little, just a little extra beat that wasn't in um, Avengers Endgame. But other than that, I think that every everything else was pretty much the same. I, and I thought that there was maybe a couple different. Um, takes that were used instead of the ones in Endgame because a couple of the line readings felt like they might be might have been different but otherwise it was uh, pretty much you know the same sequence from the movie yeah I'm sure by the time that this podcast comes out we're recording this on a Saturday before the release I'm sure there'll be like videos with like split screen showing the difference of course (laughs) Um, okay so where is Loki is the question that's screamed out by by Thor Maybe I think at the end of that, and then it yeah. leads into the Marvel opening, which feels different because it has that Loki music. It doesn't have the normal Marvel fanfare, and it goes into the Marvel Studios logo, which turns into greenish yellow, which I kind of dug. And Loki appears in the Gobi Desert, and before he can interfere with the natives of Mongolia, he is arrested by the Time Variance Authority for crimes against the sacred timeline and time variance authority of obviously we're going to learn all about them in this episode. Uh, I, I think there's like a cool episode, cool, like real, like there's a cool moment in this opening scene here where Loki refuses to go quietly and he's hit by a weapon from the TVA agent, uh, the TVA Minutemen, I guess they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait, but she's a woman. Like, so is it minute woman or are they all minute men? Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of like how they use, <laughs> stuntman as an overarching yeah, thing yeah, yeah yeah okay uh well he's hit by this weapon and it makes him move at 1 16th the speed so, so it looks like one of those really high frame rate cameras you, you always see like on on the internet like people will do it and they'll throw a a water balloon at someone's face and their like face ripples like almost like water in slow motion it's it's really cool to see I, I i don't know i thought it was a cool effect no this yeah not only was it a cool effect but it's just a cool weapon and i uh <laughs> the time for it actually has a lot of cool gadgets we'll get to some other ones later but and i i was actually interested i wonder i want to know how they they did this because like I, I mean i'm sure you know they can use visual effects to do certain things but like the slow motion looked so good and that I mean, they would have had to have like actually hit him with enough force to make his face do that in slow motion. I can't imagine you're going to hit Tom Hiddleston with something. Um, so I wonder if they had to do that like with, purely with digital effects and just manipulate his face or, or what, because it, it looked really cool. Well, maybe we can report back next week because I know the virtual junket's happening this week. And normally we would have, you know, the morning to look over people's coverage or even our coverage. We would have... <laughs> interviews and stuff and we would have some more knowledge and we'd relay that in this podcast but we're doing this a little early because i'm taking a trip this week um but yeah maybe yeah i'm curious because i've seen some some really good high frame rate stuff but it usually isn't that slow like one 
16th. What what even is that of 116th? So like 24 times 16, that's 384 frames a second. I'm not even sure there's a camera that can go that slow. I there could be probably wrong. is there. Has there to probably be. is. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I also love the idea that like weapons can play with time. Yeah. H- have we ever seen that before in a movie? I mean, I'm sure we have. I'm We've definitely to... seen like rewind kind of stuff. Well, it's yeah, not really I mean, weapons, but like well, people will well, use it. Yeah. Right. I mean, ready player one had that, uh, that, grenade that re- rewound oh, yeah. everything for i don't know what was it 30 seconds or something like that yeah and obviously like prince of persia does the rewind thing right yeah but uh no i i'm excited to see if they have more of this kind of technology in the show uh the tva reset the timeline and confiscate with a, co- the- with a cool grenade that i was like they cut the shot before we got to see how it actually works like we're left to assume that it just like resets everything back to how it was before Loki crashed there. But I wanted to like to actually see it, you know? Hmm. Well, I, I'm guessing that we're going to have to eventually see it because it seems like that grenade thing is going to become a major player in the, the storyline. Well, we'll get to that later. But yeah, I, I it's interesting. They're setting up this grenade and... They're introducing the concept that they can reset the timeline. So does that mean the Mongolian people that Loki came in contact never came in contact with him? Yeah, I would imagine that's what that does. It resets it back to the moment when the timeline was disrupted. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, So Loki is in uh, custody of the TVA. and, And boy, do I love the aesthetic of this place. It's just like kind of 60s mod futurism. It reminds me of like a little bit of like Men in Black, but Men in Black goes for like the cool, like white and black glossy. And this is going more for, and you mentioned uh, Mad Men earlier, and it has kind of like that, you know, yellowish 70s, more grungy, unique style. What did you think of the look? Yeah, it's it's such a cool place. It feels, it's like a, a retro, you know, office. Yeah. Uh, Loki tried to make a run for it, but the TVA officer uses the switch to rewind his time back before he ran. So I guess, I guess it's like the switch like rewinds like five seconds or something. I'm guessing. I don't know. It's not really explained, but that's, I'm guessing that's one of the pieces of tech that you were talking about being cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we are introduced to the TVA desk clerk. His name is Casey, and he's played by Eugene Cordero, mm-hmm. who uh, I'm not sure if you know his backstory, Brad, but he was a UCB actor who was in Kings of Summer. He was in House of Lies. He was in uh, um, Jordan's follow-up film, uh, uh, Kong Skull Island. Yep. And he's also in Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah, he's but, in a, he's in a lot of stuff. It looks like he's um he does a lot of voiceover work and animated stuff too. Yeah. Brad, you you might even recognize him from. The 2016 Ghostbusters film, he was the bass guitarist. Oh, yes, that's right. That famous <laughs> scene when he was the bass guitarist. <laughs> yeah, I bring this up because Brad, is his favorite movie is Ghostbusters. So anyways, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I dig this guy's comic timing, especially with the fish jokes later. So, um, okay. So Loki gets thrown into this room with a robot with an animated face and four arms. And 
I, don't, I just love the style of everything in this world. It's just so cool. And the robot puts him into his TVA prison jumpsuit. And Loki is then in a room where he has to sign a big pile of printed documents with everything he's ever said. Before we get to there, I have to point out, too, uh, I it's very funny to me that, like, I don't know if they went out of their way to do this or or what, but they they've um, they gave Loki uh, a Thor shirtless moment when they strip him of his Asgardian gear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's intentional. Um, so, yeah, so he's in this room. He has to sign this big pile of printed documents of everything he's ever said ever. And to me, this like really gives me the vibes of I'm not sure if you ever saw Jason Reitman had this short film before his feature career. It's called In God We Trust. And it kind of ha- actually this episode has a lot of that vibes. And this episode also reminds me of like Defending Your Life. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen that movie? Yeah. 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 yeah but I, I really dig it. And, uh, you know, what? I'm going to put a link. If no one's ever seen the Jason Reitman short film in god we trust i think it's like 10 15 minutes go check it out um i'm gonna put a link in the show notes because i think more people should check that out it it was great um so loki is questioned if he's an organic being with a soul <laughs> i love this whole exchange because loki's like questions he's like do a lot of people not know if they're robots yeah and then he's like well, wait what if i am a robot and i don't know it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and um <laughs> then in the next room he's he has to take a ticket to see the representative even though it's like him and another person in the room it's kind of like uh you know when you're at the supermarket and you're at the deli meat counter <laughs> the and the room is like the ceiling that has like thousand lamps in it like every square foot of the ceiling is a lamp so i don't know i i just love the style i'm, I'm probably harping way too much on the style of this show but i i just love it and this is the scene where we see the animated Miss Minutes, who explains what the TVA is. And I love this. And I'm sure probably everybody who sees this is reminded of Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park. So um, also, I love the, the retro 60s style hand-drawn animation design of it all. Uh, Miss Minutes is voiced by Tara Strong, who I'm not sure if you know who she is, but she's an iconic Canadian voice actress she's done so much work i think i looked on imdb and she has almost 600 credits to her name which is you know more than samuel jackson i think <laughs> um that, that includes she does the voice of batgirl and harley quinn and a lot of the warner brothers dc stuff she's bubbles on powerpuff girls she's twilight sparkle on, on on my little pony she's timmy turner on fairly odd parents and dill pickles on rungrats but brad you might know her as the guitarist as the, from Ghostbusters. No, no. You might know her as the voice of Kylie Griffin in Extreme Ghostbusters. Wow. I love that you're getting all these deep cut <laughs> Ghostbusters references. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the end of it. So, okay. Um, let's talk about the MCU, MCU lore that we learn here because it, the whole animated sequence kind of lays it out. Long ago, there was... Uh, countless timelines and they were each battling each other for supremacy resulting in the total destruction of everything and i like how like it just like goes past that i was like what does that even mean <laughs> like, what, how does that work but um apparently three godlike timekeepers were able to merge the multiverse to one single sacred timeline and uh i want to point out here that there's an image here where they they're talking about everybody 
and it shows on there like man, they show dog. They there's this big creature on it, which I think might be the frost beast from Thor: Dark World. And I've I've looked at images, and I think that's what the reference is. But I oh, you mean the, the frost giants where Loki's from? No, there's that beast. Remember that beast that escaped, like in Dark World. Like they even had end credits where he was like running around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, it's like it looks like almost like a bantha, I guess you would describe. I don't know. It has like these horn things. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, okay, so we learned that people who veer off the sacred timeline are called variants. It, um, if left unchecked, even a single, the slightest variant could branch off into, and I'll quote the show here, quote, madness into a multiversal war. So I don't know. That that doesn't seem coincidental that they would use the word madness. And the guy that wrote that is also writing a movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. No? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, have, you have nothing to, to, to comment there? Okay. Uh, the timekeepers created the TVA to preserve the timeline and set back or set time back in its predetermined path. So I guess the question I have here, Brad, is are we led to believe that everything we've seen in MCU thus far uh, was predetermined path and like none of it like change the timeline in any way well i guess later on they talk about the what the avengers did and yeah because that that was my question immediately before it got to that point is it's like okay but then like so if loki's being arrested for this you know why didn't anybody stop the avengers from going into alternate timelines to get the infinity stones and it's cleared up by the uh the judge played by uh gugu and bathara that that's what was supposed to happen the avengers were supposed to do that yeah hmm I'm also kind of confused here because in Avengers Endgame, weren't there other timelines? Because they're talking about this sacred timeline. There's one sacred timeline. But I thought they were going into other timelines to get stuff that wasn't necessarily the same timeline that the the prime. No, So the way I understand, I, I, I think if I remember correct, this correctly, <laughs> is that they're in going through the quantum realm. They're not really going into other timelines they're going into the past but if they were to not return the infinity stones then it would branch off into different timelines okay oh because the infinity stones were separated right if they were taken out of yeah for back from then and then veer off into something different similar to like back to the future but you know (laughs) <laughs> Not exactly because it wouldn't change, you know, the future as they experienced it, as they talked about in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we get the Loki title with the changing letters. The letters like change kind of like um, almost like letters on a on one of those boards at the airport or something. Well, I guess that probably doesn't exist anymore. But I think, uh, I think it does actually. It's still, it's still in certain airports. I'm pretty sure Heathrow yeah. Airport still has a big board like that. Yeah. What do you think this means? I know we've been questioning this ever since this was announced at, was it Comic-Con or was it D23? It was, I think it was Comic-Con because I remember being there with you and they had the changing letters. Like, what, what do you think? I mean, that's a very specific choice to do that as the title treatment. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's a reference probably to, you know, the, 
the constant time hopping because we're going to end up in different time periods throughout the show. And we'll probably see different sides of Loki and him impersonating different people and taking on different roles. Um, and so I think that it's just this reflection of all these different personalities that Loki will have to embody. Mm-hmm. And maybe, yeah, he has multiple personality disorder in the show in more ways than one. Um, okay. Uh, so we meet Owen Wilson's character. And I don't know about you, but I've always been a huge fan of Owen Wilson since I saw him in, oh my God, Bottle what was Rocket. that? Bottle Rocket. Yeah. I love him in Bottle Rocket. Yeah, and he's just great in general. Yeah. I feel like he's an actor that. I feel like should have had a bigger career than he's had. I mean, he's had a good career. I'm not like discounting him, but I really thought the trajectory of his career was going to be bigger than it has been. But okay. Anyway, so his character in this is Morbius M Morbius. It's like Mario Mario or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, in the This is actually a character from the comics. I mean, I don't think he's really playing the same character, but in the comics, the character is Morbius and Mor- Morbius, and he appeared in a few episodes, a few uh, not episodes, few issues of Fantastic Four and She-Hulk. And he was a member of the TVA management who prosecuted the Fantastic Four for illegal time use before later helping them escape. I'm guessing none of that information relating to those comic books are going to come into play well, in this show. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess he's kind of doing the same thing here, right? Like, yeah, he's working with yeah okay um so here morbius is in the 1950 or 19 sorry 1549 french church investigating the sixth attack against the tva in just the last week alone he asks a local who did this and they point to stained glass window depicting the devil the offender gave uh wait so I guess we know the answer to this, right? Like, is she saying that because Loki has horns? Yeah, that was that was my immediate assumption, and I actually was a I, um, not to pat myself on the back or anything. Was ahead of the curve on this, so I was like, "Oh, this will be an interesting twist," because I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Hmm. Okay, so the offender gave the local girl some blueberry candy. Um, what's the significance of that? <laughs> I mean, I think it was just a you know that's just how loki you know knew to deal with a kid like that to um you know give him some candy and you know send him along yeah i tried looking up that candy i don't think there's any reference to anything but um i love that they travel through time using these like appearing doorways yeah like it's it's not like a delorean it's not a phone booth it's not like some kind of big gadget it's just like this doorway that just appears um Okay, so Loki is here to see the judge to see to find out his punishment. Behind the judge is this wooden wall with protruding sculptures of the three timekeeper heads. And Loki later refers to them as the space lizards. And uh, I'm not sure if you know this, Brad, but in the Marvel comics, the timekeepers are alien in appearance. They have green skin and yellow eyes, which I guess is probably why he's calling them space lizards. Uh, they were created by... He who remains the very last director of the Time Variance Authority in anticipation of the universe's end. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know much about the comics, to be honest, with the Time TVA. But it's interesting that they were created in, in the comics. They were created by the TVA, and in here, the TVA were created by the Timekeepers. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in the future we can have an more someone who's more an expert to explain uh, how things have changed. But anyways, Loki argues with the judge that the Avengers should also be on trial as they went back in time. And obviously the judge informs him that uh, them going back in time was supposed to happen, but him escaping was not. So Loki tries to use his powers, but the magic doesn't work in this place. Wherever they are, it doesn't work. Um, we'll talk about that later because I'm very confused on what where the TVA is, but yeah, let's we'll get to that. Um, Loki is found guilty and sentenced to be reset, and uh, but Morbius shows up and he takes him into custody as he thinks Loki can be a help with his current investigation. So this is the first time we see the world of the TVA, and it looks like one of those like 1960s like concept paintings from a sci-fi. I want to say like Ralph McQuarrie, but like I don't know how to describe it. It looks so cool, and I hope we get to explore that world, but I'm guessing we won't much. And uh, what did you think of the, the world of the TVA? Yeah, I mean, it's it's packed to the gills. It, it, had, it had like a vibe of like, Gotham City and the Fifth Element and Cloud City like mixed and like but like somehow even more populated and packed with like just buildings and structures and you know flying vehicles and and just everywhere. Yeah. And also I wanted to note here that the music kind of ramps up and it's like otherworldly and beautiful and the music in the show is created by this British composer named Natalie Holt. Um who has done a bunch of things overseas. She was nominated for an Emmy for her work on the ITV uh, show Victoria, which was a drama. And uh, my research for the show, Brad, I have an interesting bit on the composer, Natalie Holt. In 2013, before she became a, like a huge composer, she, she was working on Britain's Got Talent. And she was performing in the backing orchestra of some of the finalists. And during their performance, she walked on stage and threw eggs at Simon Cowell, the oh producer and judge, and as a in protest of Cowell's quote dreadful influence on the music business. Wow! <laughs> I know. I want to look that up now and watch it. <laughs> I was hoping that there was going to be a surprise Ghostbusters reference there, but <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish. Uh, okay, so Agent Morbius brings it's almost like uh like matrix like um brings loki somewhere to talk and it explains the time time passes differently in the tva so i guess uh, let's talk about this right now where is the tva like how is it set out of time does time move in it i would guess probably not but I mean, it exists in some capacity since there's still forward motion within that place. But I'm sure, I mean, yeah. So are I, they are they able to look at the end of time as we know it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's clear that they're able at least to see to the end of a person's timeline, whether or not they can see to the end of the time, the sacred timeline at large is, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, they must though, because they're dealing with, changes anywhere in the timeline at any moment right like well they're not in see that's the thing that's kind of confusing about this is like they aren't they don't exist in 2021 and things are happening do you know what i mean like they're there in their own time outside the timeline yeah 
I don't know. It's it's so <laughs> it's it's such a hard concept to grasp, but I I love it. Okay, um, so Loki argues with Agent Mor- Morbius about how he always lived his life, however he felt, and he's not been on a set path before trying to attack him. And then um, Morbius uses his clicker thing to rewind Loki back in time before he made his attack. Um, it's a cool device. Uh, Loki explains what he w- would do if he were let go. He wants to become the king of Earth. He wants to become the king of the nine realms. He also wants to king- become the king of all space. And uh, this whole back and forth conversation is great. So much of this show, it's interesting because you look at this compared to something like Falcon Winter Soldier, where it kind of had this big Marvel feel to it. And so much of this this first episode is like, takes place in with two guys in a conference room like talking i'm not not criticizing it anyway but it's so interesting that marvel can do two very different things yeah yeah um okay so morbius shows loki some footage of his past moments and i love how they use this projection in the show like they kind of mat out the backgrounds and they're projecting on this wall that has this 3d pattern on it which makes no sense because if you're gonna have a conference room with projection why wouldn't you have a flat wall but but it looks cool and it feels interesting and futuristic without being some kind of crazy hologram and uses this like round orb machine thing which i think might actually be built from this uh eight track thing that i saw at the uh at the swap meet a couple weeks back. Yeah, it's, def- uh, it's definitely modeled after like an, an old style like uh, radio. Yeah. And uh, but I don't know. I just love how, how, how it looks. Um, so one of the clips Morbius plays is of Loki on an airplane in an earlier timeline. Um, it's funny when I. OK, so this is. Um, there's a fun nod here to Disney. Well, it's kind of a Disney adjacent nod here. So he's on the airplane and the flight attendant offers him a Beverly soda. Have you ever had a Beverly soda? No, I don't even know what that is. Okay. So Beverly soda is kind of infamous in the Disney world. It's the soda that Coca-Cola made for the Italian market in 1969. And it was discontinued in 2009. You can still get it at like they they have these like coke stores so you can they can try all the cokes from around the world they still make it for those but you can't get it in italy anymore um the disney connection is in epcot they had this place called club cool it's they're remaking it it's going to be called something else but it's famous uh you can go in there you can they give you like these tiny cups and you can go to all these like soda fountains and try all these different soda or yeah soda beverages made by coke around the world and some of them taste really good some of them taste really nasty the the one that tastes probably the worst is this beverly soda it has like this bitter citrus flavor and it's so notorious like the worst flavor that like you can buy it like if you go to like etsy there's t-shirts of like you know i dare you to try a beverly or you know it's become like this kind of like inside disney kind of thing but uh now, Brad, I want you to try Beverly somehow. I don't know how you could do it, though, because I don't think they sell it bottled anymore. <laughs> but it's really gross. Um, anyways, okay. I, I've taken us off the rails. I'm sorry. Uh, Loki holds the plane for ransom, gets a ton of money before parachuting out of the plane and becoming instantly transported back to Asgard. Uh, apparently, this was like a dare or a joke with Thor. 
Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, and he, yeah. And he lost a bet. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that Loki was actually, in fact, D.B. Cooper, which I honestly didn't know much about D.B. Cooper, but D.B. Cooper uh, was an unidentified man who hijacked a Boeing 727 aircraft uh, that was going from Portland to Seattle on the afternoon of November 24th, 1971. And it's this famous thing where after a stop at the Seattle Tacoma airport, he collected $200,000 in ransom, which is the equivalent of like almost 1.5 million today. And four parachutes. He leapt, he leapt to an uncertain fate over Southwestern Washington. Despite the extensive manhunt and 45 year long FBI investigation, the perpetrator's identity and fate remain unknown. The crime remains to be the only unsolved air piracy in commercial aviation history. The man purchased his airline ticket using the alias Dan Cooper, but because the news miscommunication, he became known in lore as D.B. Cooper. So turns out, Brad, D.B. Cooper was Loki all along. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know more about that, there's there's a, a whole documentary about D.B. Cooper on HBO Max. Do you know what it's called? The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. Okay. Good to note. Okay, so it's interesting and probably worth noting that the timekeepers are apparently not approving or disapproving of events because they mentioned here like it's not about approving or disapproving they just want to keep the timeline the way it's supposed to happen bad or good and i think that's worth noting because what does that mean well actually i'm not sure if that's true is that true because originally the timeline was many timelines that went at war with each other and then destroyed well, think, themselves well i mean it's well it's different when it threatens to destroy everything you know yeah. so they want some semblance of balance but if they if the the main timeline were to destroy the world would they be okay with a variant diverting it that's an interesting question yeah i don't know okay uh <laughs> uh so let's just get this clear here right now brad are there multiverses right now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, that is also a good question. I think it stands to reason that maybe there are just now starting to be multiverses that will appear perhaps in the aftermath of WandaVision and Spider-Man No Way Home. So before that, in what we have seen thus far, obviously have, there was multiverses. Yeah, the, the multi, yeah, there have been no multiverses yet. Hmm. Okay, I guess that answered my ne- next question. My question was like, if there are multiverses, does each multiverse have their own TVA? I guess they probably would. <laughs> I don't think. Well, I don't think so because I think I think the TVA exists outside of outside of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't think so. Okay. Well, Loki doesn't believe in the TVA. He thinks they're a desperate attempt of control. And while there isn't, um, uh, he believes that his choices are his own. He's refusing to believe that. Everything has been predetermined, and he has no control. This is a very profound com- concept to kind of talk about in a Marvel thing. I know that it doesn't go deep on it, but how do you feel about this, Brad? Like, if you knew that your entire fate was predetermined and there's no way to change it, does that change your feeling on your choices? I mean, what's interesting about that is it would stand to reason that if I learned that my fate was predetermined, 
that that would be part of my predetermined fate. So, so, so I don't necessarily know that it would change the way I would live my life. I would just do what I was going to do and assume that it was what was supposed to happen. But then if you knew that and you chose to do the thing that you weren't going to do, would that change the fate or would that have been the fate all along because you were meant to learn that your fate is predetermined and you were meant to go against the grain and choose what you Okay, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, my, my nose just started bleeding, I think. <laughs> okay, so Morbius shows him footage that would have been, been what happened to Loki if he didn't get the Tesseract. And it's footage from the movies that we've seen, which is kind of fun for the audience to have this view of the character, you know, who the character doesn't have the view because it's an earlier version of the character in the timeline. And But it's something that we've been pre, uh, preview to. And... Um, I guess my question to you, Brad, is why would Morbius, out of everything, why would he show Loki a scene where he ended up being responsible for the death of his mother if he wanted to restore the timeline? <laughs> well, I think that it's, for, for Morbius, it's about getting t- through to Loki and understanding more about who he is. And I think that in reading his file, he knows that Loki isn't necessarily the bad guy that Loki thinks he is and tries to be so hard to be. And so I think that that's his way of trying to make him understand that, like, if he, you know, were to go back to his timeline, um, you know, this is what happened. Uh... This This is what happens, you know, so you're better off here you know dealing with this then going back and dealing with that okay so that that is a good reading because my question was you know why would he want to restore the timeline if he knows that that he's responsible for the death of his mother but i guess what you're saying is the point is to keep him there yeah the tva yeah okay that makes sense okay uh we basically have a scene here where the character is being told he's a supporting character in the story he's not the hero he's a villain that's only there to elevate the heroes, which again I think is kind of a deep thing for a Marvel, Marvel property thing. Um, very meta. Uh, Loki is able to escape by using that clicker thing where Morbius is w- when Morbius is being chewed out for not just resetting Loki. I guess my question is: Is Morbius at? fault here because if he had just reset loki i'm assuming the loki that's if you're listening to this and i'm hope you have seen the show we we learn at the end of the show that there that loki has been killing everybody all these tva agents um so it is owen wilson's character responsible for that for not resetting him well so my prediction about this is that even though this is even though it's apparently Loki who is the one who is has been taking out TVA units and time hopping um I don't think that it's the Loki that we know I'm wondering if it's a Loki from another timeline and this is where kind of like the the multiverse splitting starts to happen see I thought it was going to be the future of this timeline and then this Loki that we're following is going to go back 
Uh, that's that's possible too. Actually, that's that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Loki finds Casey and threatens to gut him like a fish. Um, but Casey doesn't even know what a fish is. It's kind of a funny moment. Uh, what what movie is that line? Gut. I'm gonna gut you like a fish. I feel like that's been in a famous movie. I think that it's just it's a it's kind of a common just thing. Kind of- um, there, but there is one specific reading of it that I, I know. I think that we're probably both thinking. Hold on. What is it? Gut. Yeah. It's a line that's uh. Oh. <laughs> Wow, it's such a stupid, stupid reference—the one that I was thinking of. It's a line from the Jim Carrey version of The Grinch. Yes, it is. Where he says, "I'll hunt you down and gut you like a fish." Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I I just recently rewatched that, like uh, I think last year with Kitra, and it's it so just... upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, why does the kid movie have uh, that movie? Is so, just a bad choice. And... <laughs> Okay, um, so Loki gets his Tesseract back from what I like to call the teacher's drawer. You know, the teacher <laughs> confiscates all the stuff and puts them in his drawer. And it feels like it's that kind of drawer. And not only does it have the te- Tesseract in there, but it has like, looks like dozens of infinity stones of varying different colors, uh, some of the same colors. Apparently, they get a lot of them in the t- at the TVA. You know, I guess people probably are all trying to take over the world and stealing infinity stones. So they have to like reset the timeline and just take the, the stone, uh, which actually also brings to the question. Like I thought like if the stone gets taken out of the timeline, that's bad, but I guess the, there's still stones in know, whatever. Okay. I'm going to, we're not going to get caught up on this, but um, the, it's funny that TV agents are using them as paperweights. And I think this is the moment it, it finally clicks for Loki in his world. The infinity stones were just a means to get power. They were a means to an end, right? Like the, here they're, they're not even like important. They're merely paperweights. And maybe the TVA is the real power he's been looking for all along. Yeah. I, I love this, this scene because like it's, you know, the Loki's realization that like, wow, nobody cares about these things that, you know, were, are so important to so many people trying to get power, um, you know, on, on Earth or Midgard, whatever you want to call it. Um, and here they're just sitting in a drawer and no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just paperweights. Um, it's interesting that Loki also only takes the Tesseract. He doesn't care about any of the gems. I thought he would, like, put them all in his pockets or something. But I guess that would probably be bad for later with Marvel continuity. So let's just let him leave him there um while escaping loki uses the visual record to see into the future of what would have been in his prime the the prime sacred timeline and uh that you know he sees that his father odin dies he sees that he fights alongside his brother thor and he sees that even selfishly tries to stop thanos it dies in doing so um Loki at first is having like this extreme emotional breakdown while watching this footage. And then he sees his fate and something clicks inside him and he starts laughing to himself. What do you, what do you think is going on here? I mean, I think he's having this realization of it's essentially like a, an existential, you know, nervous breakdown, you know, a, a, a full life crisis, I guess, if yeah. you will, where he realizes that his, you know, his idea of being, you know, quote unquote burdened with glorious purpose isn't really 
uh, you know, that all that glorious at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so he fights a TV agent and puts the time restraint neck brace on her and keeps scrubbing her through time, kind of like a little kid would have like an iPhone or something, I guess. Uh, Loki has re- relented, realizing he can't go back to his timeline. He's tried to use the Tesseract, but even an Infinity Stone is just a useless paperweight here. Uh, Morbius explains that a fugitive variant has been killing their TVA Minutemen, and they need they need Loki because the variant they're hunting is dun 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 Loki. Uh, so that, that's a good reveal. And then we cut to Oklahoma in eighteen fifty eight which I haven't looked up if there's any significance of Oklahoma in 1858 is in Salina, Oklahoma, but um, the TVA Minuteman agents arrive and find some remnants out of place in time. I'm kind of confused on what they find because there's a staff sticking out of the ground or something, but they find oil. I don't, it's very unclear. Maybe it's also that like the screener quality is kind of poor with the, in the, blacks i don't know what's going on there but um they think it might be someone who found a time machine to come back and steal oil to get rich and they almost leave but see someone in the distance in the field it looks like a cloaked man who sets the field on fire killing the minutemen agents the man picks up the reset grenade that they left on the ground so i'm guessing we're led to believe that this is loki I mean, yes, but I think that there's probably a reason that they didn't show us exactly what Loki looks like under that cloak, whether it's because it's a uh, a future version of Loki who looks much different or because it is an entirely different multiverse version of Loki. Yeah, if you're going to have a two different Lokis in the same show, you do need to make them different looking in some way for us to understand who we're looking at at what point. So, yeah, I think you're probably right there. Is So, is Loki the bad guy and the good guy of this series? It would seem so. Yeah, I think you're. I think that's probably right. And that's uh, kind of perfect for that character, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, why would Loki want to kill the Minuteman? Do you have any theories? Yeah. <sighs> Is he trying to destroy the TVA? Is he... I mean, he's obviously after those grenades, those reset grenades. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he needs several of them to try to reset, like, the entire timeline so that he can rule over the sacred timeline himself without the TVA, if that's his next big move after realizing how powerful the TVA is. Um I yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's it seems interesting because like it feels like Loki has some real growth in this episode as a character, which I wasn't expecting so early on. He has this this really meaningful realization about himself and is really honest about who he is and why he does what he does. He's essentially playing a character. Um, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's pretending to be a bad guy when he's really not actually, you know, like that, you know? Um, and so I'm, I wonder, I, yeah, I don't know. It is, is, is that in itself an act so that he can, you know, do whatever he's doing now, um, 
you know, by time hopping and taking taking out t- TVA units, I'm I'm not entirely sure. It's an intriguing prospect. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm really not sh- exactly sure where this is going. Uh, we can say this in the the credits. There's some fun Easter eggs if you want to watch the credits. Like they show the inside of a locker, and there's a poster that says "Always Watching" and has what looks like one of the watchers. Did you notice anything else fun in the credits? I didn't. I actually, I actually didn't get a chance to like sit and pay attention to the credits deeply. I, I need to probably need to do that, and maybe that's yeah. something we can circle back around when we do the the feedback section for episode two. Yeah, and also I want to say while there isn't an in credit sequence. Uh, for this episode there is at the very end of the credits they do have a message from miss minutes thanking everybody for visiting the tva it's like an audio kind of thing not like uh animated but um yeah so i think that that does it for the breakdown and actually the speculation portion it kind of just rushed into the speculation at the end uh is there any any final thoughts uh, no, it's just I'm I'm so excited about the show. I mean, I was already very hyped about it before we got we got into it, but um, it's you know it's it's even cooler than I anticipated, um, and I'm I'm very curious to see how it pans out and how, like the ramifications this has on the rest of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, uh, we do as press have the first two episodes. Both Brad and I have only watched the first episode because we didn't want to record a podcast having knowledge and having to you know weave around stuff and uh, like having known no no knowing where things are going yeah we don't want to do any fake speculating yeah but i will say this jacob hall who has seen the second episode and there's no spoilers here he says that episode two is great easily my favorite of the marvel shows episode two is the one people are really going to be talking about so it's clear why disney sent these both out to press so by the time excited. we're reading this, we'll have seen the second episode. We just haven't talked yeah. about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I'm just saying, cause people probably seeing this episode, I don't think people, I don't think this is like a WandaVision thing where people are going to see the first episode and like be like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm into this or any, like, you know, because it's so weird. Yeah. Like I think after this episode, you're going to be in, mm-hmm. but if you aren't, you know, Jacob says that the, the next episode is the best Marvel TV thing he's seen. So so there you go. And he really liked WandaVision, the first few episodes of WandaVision. So. Uh, but okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Home Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast in Apple Podcasts. That really helps us a lot. That helps people find this podcast if you like these recaps and these speculation, all the stuff we do with like the TV episodes, please go to Apple podcasts and just, you know, just write a sentence. Like don't just give the five stars, but write a sentence that helps us so much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.